Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD Innovation. So this is Dr. Greg Goodman from The Modern MD. I'm really excited today. We've got Dr. Rajiv Kumar, who is the co-founder and CEO of ShapeUp, a leading global provider of clinically proven social networking-based employee wellness programs. ShapeUp has pioneered an innovative approach to behavioral change that uses social networking technology to reduce healthcare costs and improve the health of large populations. Rajiv is also the founder and chairman of Shape Up Rhode Island, a statewide nonprofit organization established in 2005 to help Rhode Islanders improve their health. For his work with Shape Up Rhode Island, Dr. Kumar is one of 10 Americans to receive the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Community Health Leader Award in 2009. He's also the co founder of A Doctor, a nonprofit organization providing financial support for underpaid doctors saving lives in Africa that was established in 2003. Rajiv, welcome to The Modern MD. It's an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you personally and your journey as a physician entrepreneur. So I, a non-practicing physician, uh, I like to call it, and uh, I've, I've dedicated my life to being a healthcare entrepreneur. And I would say that I stumbled upon this line of work very accidentally. When I was a first-year medical student, I became very interested in prevention, specifically the prevention of obesity and obesity-related chronic illnesses. And I, was, I guess I would say I was frustrated as a medical student that so much of what we were being taught was how to treat disease after it happens as opposed to how to prevent it in the first place. So I began to work with some of my patients in the clinic and work with them on lifestyle-related issues, how to increase physical activity, how to eat healthier, how to lose weight, and how to lower blood pressure, cholesterol, A1C, and so forth. And one of the things I was struck by was that we had very few tools at our disposal as clinicians to help our patients. Ultimately, the sort of conventional wisdom was that all of our patients would be on medication instead of actually transforming their health. But I realized there had to be a better way, and I started to look at the patients who had actually succeeded at changing their lifestyle. There were few and far between, but once in a while, we would have a patient who succeeded at losing 10 pounds or starting to go on a physical activity regimen and sticking with it over a long period of time. Some cases, we even had patients who reversed their diabetes and went off their metformin. And so I began to talk to those patients and try to understand what they were doing differently than the 90% of Americans who aren't exercising and the two-thirds of us who are overweight or obese. found that they all said the same thing to me. They said, uh, you know, I had a social network that helped me achieve my goals. I had accountability, I had peer pressure, I had group motivation. And so really I got excited about the concept of group-based behavior change therapy. The idea that if you bring people together who share a common goal, that they can actually create these social relationships and the social foundation that can lead to lasting behavior change. So that led me to create a small nonprofit project in Rhode Island called Shape Up Rhode Island, really designed to help take that concept and gamify it by turning it into a competition. My goal initially was to have a couple hundred Rhode Islanders form teams and compete to exercise and lose weight. Ended up getting over 2,000 people to sign up for the program, and then it started to grow exponentially over time. 
And uh, what was most surprising to me is that not only did people lose a lot of weight and have a lot of fun participating with the team and competing in a program like this, but that employers started to latch on to the model and ask me to run this program for their employees as part of their corporate wellness initiative. And that really was the beginning of what became what's now a nine-year journey in ShapeUp uh, Incorporated, designing solutions specifically for employees at large companies and helping to engage them in healthy activities throughout the year. What an incredible journey, Rajiv. And I think it's pretty amazing that, you know, as a first-year medical student, you're really questioning what we were doing You know, a lot of, I think, of physicians are about kind of diagnosing and treating instead of thinking, you know, what is actually causing the disease and thinking about the prevention. What an exciting journey. So I'd love to start the Modern MD off with a success quote. Do you have a quote that is important to you that you'd like to share? I have a very simple quote. I think there are lots of different quotes that we can draw inspiration from. Simple one that I think about every day when I come to work is a Wayne Gretzky quote, which is that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. I see so many people that have ideas and want to make change in the world, want to disrupt the system, want to help someone or help you know, change the way we do things. And they, they just don't try. They don't raise their hand. They don't throw something out there. They don't even get you know, moving. There's so much inertia. And I think that concept of you know, you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take, to me, it you know, kind of motivates me to make sure that every time I think I can do something better or change something, that I should go ahead and give it a shot. I might fail, but ultimately there's a chance that I may succeed. And, and that's been sort of a very simple, but I think impactful guiding principle for me. I love that. And I think it is so important, you know, for those fellow entrepreneurs listening, you've got to take a shot at the goal to win. I think it's such an, a great way to view life. So I want to discuss kind of what I'm terming the white coat to business suit. And I want to understand kind of your, your mindset. You had this initial concept, Shape Up Rhode Island kind of was formed during uh, medical school and, and then later started Shape Up. How did you kind of transition? And I know you took a few years off of medical school. Can you kind of talk about that journey and your mindset going through? And Absolutely. You know, I, I would say that it was a fairly bumpy ride. You know, I'd like to say that I had it all planned out and then it went very smoothly, but sort of stumbled through it as I figured out what I really wanted to do and what was driving me. So I started the nonprofit Shape Up Rhode Island when I was a first year medical student. That started to grow and and gain a lot of traction here in Rhode Island and local corporations that had international employee bases started to ask me to run this program for their employees nationwide. So I actually partnered up with one of my classmates, Dr. Brad Weinberg, who turned out to be a self-taught computer programmer. And we partnered together and he built the first version of a software platform that became the founding platform of ShapeUp, the for-profit business. And what we did with that platform is we began to market it to companies, not just in Rhode Island, but all across the country. Um, and eventually we realized that we, we had something really special and companies were very interested in, in jumping on and, and rolling out this platform. So we ended up writing a business plan. While we were studying for our step one board exams, we actually were writing this business plan and competing in a couple of business plan competitions. We ultimately won a couple of local business plan competitions and found ourselves with about $100,000 in cash and in-kind service, like uh, legal services and, and advisory services that we could leverage. And so uh, I think what we realized is that medical school wasn't going anywhere, but that we had an idea that had traction and, and we were having a lot of fun uh, trying to build this, this company. And so we actually left medical school initially for what was supposed to be one year while we were going to build up something and then hand it off to a professional manager to take care of or to even try to sell the business in one year. And that one year became two and that two years became three And we kept growing the business and getting a lot of experience under our belt, making more right decisions than wrong decisions, uh, really getting what we call a street MBA. We didn't have any real advisors. We didn't have a business background, but we kind of learned as we went. 
And we just happened to have a lot of good luck and timing on our side as well. Eventually, the medical school called and said, hey, you guys need to come back to the school. Otherwise, you're going to lose your spot that we were holding for you. So what we did is we went out and we hired a management team and we went back to medical school to finish our degree. Um, unexpectedly, even though we had both kind of dreamed of being clinicians, uh, the moment we got back to medical school, we realized we had made a mistake. Uh, all we could think about was our company, our clients, our, our users. All we worried about all night was not our, uh, you know, rounds the next morning, but we were worrying about, you know, how our product was doing and whether or not, you know, customer A was happy and, and which employees we were bringing on board and so forth. So I guess we had caught the entrepreneurial bug and we fell in love with our business and the impact it was having on people's lives. And medical school sort of became an afterthought. So we finished our medical degrees just to sort of see through what we had committed. And then we actually both came back to the company full time as soon as we graduated. And, and we've both since dedicated our lives to uh, entrepreneurship and, and innovation in the healthcare space. That's really incredible. I'd love to ask you for other students that are interested that are in medical school wanting to go into entrepreneurship, what would be one piece of advice that you could kind of take away from Shape Up, you know, your, your current journey? Yeah, I get a lot of medical students that come to me and ask some advice and, you know, pitch me ideas and talk about how they, they went to medical school to, you know, improve the healthcare system or to change people's lives, but they have this other interest in business or starting something and, and they're torn. And what's interesting to me is by the time they've come to, to ask me a question like that, you know, what should they do? They've already sort of made up their minds subconsciously. And, and by that, I mean, often they come to me and they say, you know, I have to confess to you, I'm failing my, my exams because I'm staying up all night building this software platform that I'm really passionate about. And to me, if you've chosen to, to spend your time on building a software platform versus studying for your medical school exam, you've sort of made up your, your mind that really what you're passionate about and excited about is your business idea. And so I tell them, you know, medical school is not going anywhere. If you have something you're passionate about and you want to go pursue, you know, go do that. You can always get back into medical school. You can always reapply. You're smart. You'll find a spot. You found it once, you'll find it again. But, you know, once you go on that hamster wheel and, and you finish medical school and you're a resident and so forth, it's very hard to get off. And, and eventually people at that time generally have families and they start to have kids and so forth. And so it becomes very difficult to hit pause and say, I'm going to go take a risk and build a startup company. So I would say while you're young, while you have that opportunity, if you're truly passionate, you have a good idea, you have maybe a business partner or a group of people, take that risk. You know, take some time off, hit pause, see if your medical school will be, you know, give you some flexibility. I've been surprised at just how much time medical schools have allowed students to take off to go pursue a business venture. And sometimes they come back and sometimes they don't, and that's okay. I have a friend who left medical school to start a mattress company. Uh, you may have heard of it. It's called Casper. You know, he's been out now for two years and, and Casper's, you know, on track to do over $100 million in, in mattress sales this year. And the company's worth over half a billion dollars. Uh, he's probably not going back to medical school, needless to say. But, you know, he's having an impact on helping people sleep better by revolutionizing the mattress industry. And, and he feels really passionate about that. So I think, you know, your, your, your heart and, and the, you know, luck will take you in the direction that you're designed to go. But you have to actually take that shot, you know, in order to actually find where you belong. That's great. And I think it is important for, for students to sometimes veer off on a different path, especially I think uh, you've got the entrepreneurial bug, both medical school and residency will be there. And I think sometimes you got you to gotta take a swing at the bat. So one of the things that I'd love, if you wouldn't mind sharing, I think this is one of the biggest fears in entrepreneurship is failure. You mentioned it, it was kind of a bumpy road getting started. Could you maybe share a time, maybe you didn't fail completely or, or you had to pivot and kind of how you got through that uh, process and, and move forward and eventually was successful with what you're doing. Sure. I mean, there are so many war stories. You know, one of the things I like to tell people is we were medical students, not business people. 
And suddenly we had to hire a bunch of employees to build a business. And you know, we didn't know how to do that. And so we hired our first 20 employees off of Craigslist. And you can imagine we found some really interesting characters. A couple of them turned out to be great, you know, long-term employees that are still with us today. But for the most part, we ended up having to move on from a lot of those individuals. We didn't have a hiring process. We didn't know how to check references. We didn't know how to look for patterns in someone's background and, and how to, you know, look for weaknesses. We didn't know how to interview people. You know, we, we sat down and had a conversation. If we liked the person, we gave them a job. So I think we learned a lot. You know, we've instituted, you know, nine years later, we have a really robust hiring process. We use psychometric profiling to make sure that someone's the right fit for the role, take them through top grade interviews so we understand their whole life trajectory and their whole career path. We do really deep reference checks. We call the references, not that they give us, but that we can find out through, you know, back channels. And, and then obviously we have to meet with a lot of people internally here and, and really get tested to make sure they're the right fit for our company and culture. And so I think that's one of the lessons learned is, you know, you're not going to know how to do everything that's required to start a business and to grow a business. And sometimes you just have to get your feet wet and try and, and take your you know, mistakes and learn from them. Early on, you know, we didn't have legal counsel. We were pretty cheap and trying to conserve money. We downloaded a contract off Google and thought, okay, this would be a great, you know, sales consultant contract. And we uh, signed a, a you know, sales consultant with that contract. Now, it turns out there was a big loophole in it. It was very poorly worded, and we ended up in a disagreement with that salesperson once they were no longer working with us, and we ultimately had to settle a lawsuit for, you know, several hundred thousand dollars. It was pretty painful, but, you know, we survived, and, you know, we continue to, to be a thriving company. And so, you know, the goal is to make more right decisions than wrong decisions and to hope that the wrong decisions that you make, you know, aren't fatal, and most of them, you know, are not. And you can find ways to uh, to pivot and to keep moving. But I would say one of the things we, we learned and, and we should have done early on is surrounding ourselves with a team of advisors, tapping into people who have been there and done it before, making sure that we were asking for advice and bouncing ideas off of them so that we weren't just, you know, taking stabs in the dark. I think we were very ambitious and very sort of proud and, you know, confident in, in our abilities. And, and we probably should have had a little more guidance and mentorship early on. It would have saved us some time and some money. Thank you so much for sharing so openly. And so we're going to shift to kind of our last section called uh, Not Your Typical Hospital Rounds. These are business rounds. Dr. Kumar, do you have some really great life advice that you'd want to share for somebody that gave you, you know, kind of your best career advice? I think, I think there's a lot of people in your life who will give you advice that helps you in, in different, you know, parts of your life. I think, you know, one of you know the people that has been influential for me is a chairman of our board, very successful entrepreneur and venture capital investor, and he gives me a lot of business lessons and life lessons. You know, one of the things he talks about is you know there are two types of people out there. There are, there are people that are energy takers and there are people that are energy givers. And ultimately, you have to surround yourself with people that are energy givers, and you have to get away from the energy takers. And it's a really simple sort of framework when you think about it, but it, it's amazing how uh, useful it can be uh, when you find yourself you know brought down by somebody or just not able to make a relationship work, whether it's, you know, personal life or if it's in professional life, you know, it's a really simple filter you can apply and say, is this person giving me energy or taking energy away? And if this person is taking energy away, I need to find a way to, to move on. And if this person is giving me energy, I need to, you know, hug this person closer. So I think that's, you know, that's a very simple lesson. Another one that I think specifically applies to being an entrepreneur, maybe particularly to being a founder and a CEO is, you know, we're often type A perfectionists and everything we see, we think can be done better. Even internally in our own organization, we see things that we think we could personally do better or we wish that an employee would do at a higher quality. And uh, there's this concept of playing dumb and winning smart. And really what that's all about is, is simply choosing your battles. 
you know, yes, perhaps there's a way that I, I would reword a sentence in a press release, or maybe I would have used a different, you know, color for a piece of marketing collateral, or maybe I would have put a button on the page of a website in a different place. But ultimately, are those the types of things that are going to help us truly win as a business, or are those really kind of small and picky things? And often you have to sort of play dumb, just sort of like, you know, smile and move on. And, and you know, you may not think it's the best possible work, but ultimately you can't make everything exactly in your image or, or perfect. And so, um, you know, that, that to me is a really important lesson I try to carry with me. As a perfectionist, it's hard, uh, but I often have to look past areas of imperfection and focus on really where uh, we can have the most impact to, uh, to grow the business. That's really, really great. Thanks for sharing. Along those same lines is, do you have a daily success habit that you do consistently on a daily basis that you could attribute to your success? Well, I would say there's a few things. One is is a relatively newer habit that I'm establishing, which is meditation and specifically trying to be more mindful. Uh, there's a new app, or, or it's not necessarily a new app, but it's new to me. It's called Headspace. And I would encourage uh, your listeners to check it out. You can spend 10 minutes a day meditating and, and increasing your mindfulness. And it, it drives a lot of positive change in your life. Uh, listening to a quote from the Dalai Lama the other day, and he said, you know, there's no difference between me and anybody else in the world, except that I have a quieter mind than you do, but that you can learn and, and train your mind to be as quiet as mine. And I thought that was a really interesting way to, to think about mindfulness and meditation. And I've been trying to be more mindful and, and make time for meditation. So that's one. And then I think not just because this is my business, but because I really believe in it, physical activity on a regular basis drives so many positive impacts on your on your life. And I have a personal trainer. I make it a point to exercise on a regular basis. And I find that physically, mentally, I feel better. I have more balance in my life when I have physical activity on a regular basis. So those are two things that, you know, on a regular basis, I endeavor to practice. Uh, I don't always do it every single day. Sometimes life gets in the way, especially when I'm traveling, uh, which I do quite a bit for work. But those are the two things that I continue to try to stick with. That's so cool. I actually use the meditation app as well. And that's really awesome. So the last question is, what are some of the exciting healthcare trends, you know, specifically in kind of the wellness world and space? And then what are you also excited about on a larger healthcare level? What are some of the things you're following? So, you know, we follow quite a, a few healthcare trends because of the work that we do. Obviously, we exist in the corporate wellness space and a, and a big driver of disruption in our space is our wearable device. We're seeing that you know anything from Fitbit to Jawbones to the Apple Watch are now being adopted in mass by consumers all across the world, and it's allowing us to collect a level of data, a continuous, ongoing data about someone's health, about their activity, about their behaviors. It's never been possible before, and that data is being harnessed by employers, by health plans, by physicians to actually help personalize the feedback and the coaching and, and the lifestyle programs that are delivered to people to help them change their health and change their lives. And so I'm really following very closely the rise of wearables, and I think it's, it's very transformative. I also think in a similar vein, mobile technology is transformative and allowing us to reach people that weren't possible to reach before in ways that we weren't able to reach them before. So everything from video coaching to allowing somebody to actually engage with a physician right from their mobile phone, you know, allowing us to, to understand what's happening in someone's daily life from their mobile phone, uh, all that is disrupting healthcare and allowing for an, a, massive, a massive amount of data to be collected that's uh, very powerful and allowing for deep analytics. So those are some of the trends that I'm following, the wearable devices, the rise of mobile technology. And I think uh, we're going to see that we're just scratching the surface in those two areas, and there's a lot of innovation ahead. I think it's really an exciting time. So Dr. Rajiv Kumar, it was an absolute honor and privilege having you on the show. I'm excited about all the work that you're doing and 
all the people that you're helping to get healthy and, and really live a healthy and, and happy life. Thanks for being on The Modern MD with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.